0: Have a cow. No, actually, have a cow. Listen to how a cow can make a difference in the lives of a family. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Terry Summers Podcast. I am so fortunate. I am stocking up on some wonderful conversations with people that have been in my life for a good long time. Our paths may have not crossed in most recent years, but the gal that I have with me today, I actually had her father on not too long ago, Ken Schilling. And today I have Jamie Schilling with me. I have known her since she was in her young teen years. um, And she is doing big things for a big organization that makes a big impact in our world. And can we ever get enough of hearing that kind of good news? I don't think so. So get comfortable. This is a good one. Well, I'm, I know y'all can't see her, but I can. And you're really missing out that you can't see her because she is just a stunning beauty. Um and I have had her in my life since she was a teen, and we haven't had a chance to be uh uh in proximity to one another in many years. But you did get a chance to hear from her father, Ken Shilling, and I have with me today Jamie Schilling. Jamie, we don't need to do the math. Well we can, but we've known each other for a good bit. A long time. I was maybe
1: 14 when we met, I think. And Again, let's not do the math, but I'm much
0: older than that now. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, you little stinker, and I've already said this to you, and I, I'm not blowing smoke. I mean, I am someone that I look to be encouraging and complimentary to people because I love to be that way. I'm, I, but I, I'm not a liar. Um, I just look for encouraging things. This ha- takes no looking at all. It's just right in front of me. You really are... I am sure there's maturity face to face that if I were with you and not on a Zoom screen. But you really are the girl, girl. I know you're a woman now, but you're the girl that I remember. You have uh, not aged a bit, and for for women to talk to each other like that, I hope you see that as a compliment. Because oh, you absolutely, look like this 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 brunette china doll that is. <laughs> Uh, perfection and uh but you know what your sweetness your sweetness has always shown through and it does still but I am so tickled to visit with you. We met um as my listeners will also uh learn and have heard because I've had a few people on like your father we met at a relatively large um performance arts driven church. Would you say that's kind of fair that it was because that's the, the medium that you and I connected in, um, in Mm -hmm. Glendale, um, Arizona, and you were part of a, uh, church youth group and particularly Mm -hmm. a part of a, um, uh, a choir that I wrote with and partnered with um the choir's leader bev altop and that how long had y'all been going before i met you was this a home church for many years or i don't know that i know that um good question we i think we
1: found community church of joy not long after we moved to the neighborhood that i spent the majority of my childhood and upbringing in um so i think i started there um it must have been junior high so again probably Well, I met you at probably 14 or something. And it was just a couple of
0: years prior to that, that I I started going. Yeah. And we, we all had a lot of fun. Do you have any particular cool memories about that time? Oh, well the tours, obviously. So, um, this church
1: performance group in choir, we spent the summers, as you remember, um, traveling to different churches around the country and, um, doing this production, this performance that you and Bev had um, had put together and directed. And so I spent my summers through junior high and high school, um, you know, on these, I think, week to two week long trips in different cities doing this, these productions and um, meeting new people and seeing new places. And it was just a beautiful way to spend part of my summers as a as a youth.
0: Wasn't it? I mean, I have like, uh i mean we would go places we even we would uh i think every 4 years she tried to plan a trip for us to go to hawaii so that everyone mm-hmm. who hung in the in the choir for you know their high school tenure they we got a chance to go to hawaii and were are were you on any of those trips i was i
1: think that was my first uh high school trip was one to hawaii yeah
0: yeah I so think cool I, right i think i remember cuz uh Jimmy Jimmy was around then too, right? He was yeah he was. I mean, he, I, in my life and I remember he went he went, yeah, we were not married, but he went as a as a as a um, account um I don't know a chaperone, I guess or whatever. Um, those mm-hmm. were some great times and what the nature of it was is we would put together a show thematically with music that was familiar at the time and tie it together with some anything from comedy to you know some sensitive topics and drama and then travel with it. But there were also outreach opportunities where we would lean into the community and mission oriented things. And yes. um, you and I had the occasion to, to reconnect. First of all, I you have a, a, sis, a sister and a brother and then mm-hmm. your folks. And so I knew your family and had been, loosely intimately involved with you guys so you've stayed in my uh world but you and i had an opportunity to connect was it a little bit more than a yeah about a year and a half ago ish right um how long have you been with the company that you're with right now
1: i've been with heifer for just coming up on a year so it probably
0: was just about a year ago that you and i connected okay um but you're um your heart has rested. You and I were chatting a little bit before we started talking. One of the things that I have been so interested in having you on over is this, um, passion that I gather from you about seeing others, um, swell and live fully Mm -hmm. in their lives. Um, where otherwise they may not have had opportunity in encouraging that and whether mm-hmm. no, no matter their scenario. Um, but just that the interest and the deep investment in humanity that way, will you roll back a little bit and tell us where that came from in you? Um, the sure. Of that? sure. Yeah. Yeah. You and I were talking a little bit about how,
1: um, back in that same era when we were both involved with the church, there were, um, A couple of mission trips that I was lucky enough to participate in. And so, again, as a young person, I was exposed um, to other cultures and other areas of the world that needed support in ways that my own country did not, right? And um, I think it sparked something in me that didn't, I didn't really, um, that didn't really evolve to fullness until I went through college, went through graduate school, was very interested in doing international work. And I went to a school called the Thunderbird School of Global Management, which you may know is um, in Arizona, Glendale, right there where I grew up, practically in my backyard. And I got an MBA degree. Um, it, was a, it was an effort to get a more well-rounded background when I had majored in communication and French as an undergrad. I went to get an MBA degree to get some business skills um, at this great international school in my backyard and discovered that they had a focus area called international development. Now, at the time, I was in my early 20s. I didn't really know much about what international development meant, but I knew that I wasn't really a traditional business school student. I wasn't super interested in finance or marketing, really. Those were the two other focus area options. But as I started to learn about and get immersed in international development, it really resonated with just who I was and who'd I, who I'd grown up to be through these experiences I'd had as a youth. Um, so When you talk about international development, you're talking about economic development through, um, I guess, accelerators like small businesses and um, cooperatives and that kind of thing um, to create economic and community development in communities that that need it, right? That are living at or below the poverty line. And um, from the Thunderbird lens, the business school lens, it's about creating business opportunities and So now I work for, as of last August, almost a year ago, I work for an international NGO called Heifer International. And um, your listeners will probably recognize it as, or some of them, may recognize it as the organization that first started doing the holiday catalogs with opportunities to purchase a goat for a rural farmer or a cow for a rural farmer. Yes. So that's, yeah. So that's been heifer's bread and butter for a very, very long time. Um, And I had the opportunity to join the organization as it's evolving toward um, really big, impactful projects that not only, you know, give a cow to a rural farmer, but help a rural farmer, a smallholder farmer, create a business and plug into a market so that they are able to then close the gap from where they're at, at or below the poverty line to a living income. So um, it's a, a pretty awesome mission, and I feel so lucky that I get to do it every day.
0: <laughs> wow. Wow. I know when I was reading up a little bit about the company, one of the things that gripped me was the fact, I think it, and forgive me if I'm not wording it correctly, but it was something like it, it's more than, um, it was, in essence, it's more than the cow. It's, it's, an, it's entrepreneurship. And for me, that rung and rung true to the fact that um, not so much about the, the company, because I'm not as familiar, obviously, as you are, but that you would be in that pocket, because I see saw you as the daughter of the entrepreneur that I had on this past week. But I just wonder if that opens up any windows in your mind as you entered into a relationship with this company. Not that you would have recognized that right off the bat, but you, do you sense that there is a connection to that?
1: Now that you bring it up, I I absolutely do. I think that growing up in the household I did where my dad was this insatiable entrepreneur, right? Um, It did create a lot of opportunity for me as a kid and for our family. And um, so I think, without even being consciously aware of it, when I started down this path, I'm intimately acquainted with, um, just the opportunity economic and otherwise that entrepreneurship and small businesses can provide. So yeah, I think you're right.
0: So tell me what your undergrad focus was again.
1: Yeah. So French and communication, and that was a function of, um, Communication was a function of me not having a clue what I wanted to do with my life at that point in my life, and the communication major being broad enough that it kind of could lead me down a number of paths. And it felt like some an area where I had a skill set. So I was like, okay, communications makes sense. Don't know what I'm going to do with it, but that's what I'm going to do. And French was um, I was exposed to some pretty cool opportunities early um, again in my youth um, with regards to foreign language and. As, as a youth or child who didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, foreign language was the only thing that was sort of clicking. Like I loved to read growing up. And as soon as I realized that you could major in and study foreign languages and use that to travel and open doors for your life, that was really where all of it kind of started for me was a love for language. And then it evolved
0: from there. Um, so what, what, do, what are your responsibilities with this company? And then I want to backtrack a little bit and, see if you can flesh out how we might um we is as- you know what it is um absolutely <laughs> connecting to my computer like it has never done before my phone did i don't know why i apologize for that um no uh and, it, and it's actually somebody you know it's bev altop Bev was the person just oh. speaking of that um that led the, uh, the choir that I came alongside and worked with. So she, she must mm-hmm. have some kind of vibe that I'm talking to one of her lovely, lovely friends. But I, mm-hmm. I would like to flesh out how we can, we as listeners, um, uh, can become more familiar if, if there is an avenue at all. I know that you must work with donors. What is your position exactly?
1: Yeah, so I am on a team of nine, and I'm a director of philanthropy, um, like my peers, and we are um, fundraising professionals, major gifts professionals specifically. So we are based in different geographies throughout the United States, and my geography happens to be mostly Northern California with a handful of donors thrown in from other places, but mostly Northern California. So my job is to cultivate relationships and build deeper engagement with um, basically philanthropists and people that have um, the means to do really life changing things and um, philanthropic goals. And it's, it's my job to connect those people and their resources with the incredible work that Heifer is doing.
0: And um, how do you inspire them? What do you do to make that connection? What do, you, what do you say? What do you share? I find that so fascinating because we're all human beings, but there's different things that pull our ear or tug at our heartstrings or open us up. And that has to be quite a gift that you have. First of all, you're an amazing communicator. Um, and I just want to not talk and let you talk, which I'll try to do a little bit more of, but um, how, what what's the magic there for you? Because that's obviously a gift. Thank you. Um,
1: Well, first of all, I think one of the real benefits and fun parts of being a major gifts professional is that it's not fundraising as a lot of people think of fundraising. It's not cold calling and just asking people to open their wallets. It's working with a set of qualified and already engaged to some level donors who know Heifer to some extent, know the work and um, are already supporting what we're doing. So what where we're at as directors of philanthropy is at a point where it's grow the engagement grow the relationship take it to the next level make this transformational for the organization so um, it's not as hard as it might initially sound because these people are um, warm and supportive already that said it's um the process is about getting to know a donor's philanthropic goals and connecting that in a really meaningful way with our work We're in 21 different countries around the world in um, the Americas, Africa and Asia. And so sometimes it's like a donor will say, I really believe in women's empowerment. What are you guys doing around women's empowerment? And then we connect them with a project or a program or um, a way to fund work that's furthering women's empowerment. Um, Sometimes it's a geography. Sometimes a donor is like, I just really want to help Africa. What are you guys doing in Africa? So it's my job as a director of philanthropy to really strategically align the donor's interests and philanthropic motives with the work that really speaks to that. And then it ends up being this beautiful, mutually beneficial relationship where Heifer gets to do more of what we're doing with more resources. And the donor is like, wow, I'm doing this really amazing work in the world with my resources that I couldn't do without Heifer.
0: Right. Um, and how many folks do um, do you have like out out there on the ground with with people is, that, is a lot of it happening that way, or share a little bit about that
1: Yeah, so there's um, what we call a donor
0: pyramid,
1: so um, we as directors of philanthropy are kind of towards the top of the pyramid in that it's a smaller set of donors with greater capacity, greater wealth to do, to do more, and it takes um, intensive personal cultivation. So we're very intentional and intensive with the work that we do with individual donors. But as you go lower down the pyramid, um, we start with what's called our mass market work. So we have a brilliant team of professionals um, who do the mailings that you would get in the mailbox from Heifer, or um, you'd get a phone call potentially telling you about a crisis that Heifer's working on and ask for support. And so through those mass market efforts, we we extend a really broad net um, out into the community to talk about our work and get the knowledge out there. And as people are responding and kind of rising up through that process, that's generally how someone rises up through the donor pyramid to eventually become a major donor. That said, every once in a while, and I do have someone like this now, every once in a while, someone will just come to Heifer and make themselves known and say, hey, you guys are doing some really cool stuff, I've got the, the ability to support it at a high level, tell me more. Um, but really, Heifer's got a very beautifully structured process that gets donors through um, a point of entry all the way eventually up to where I'm working with them very strategically one-on-one.
0: It's, it sounds so huge to me, but the need is huge, right? Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: especially after the year we've had with COVID Um, and, you know, world events like I don't know. I'm sure you heard that the Haitian president was assassinated a couple days ago. Um, We have an office in Haiti and work that we do in Haiti and employees there. And so um, it's just, yeah, this whole cauldron of like challenges, global, political, um, public health wise that Heifer is addressing through. through supports for again, primarily smallholder farmers and their families, but um, for those who aren't aware, a majority of um, people in poor rural communities are farming something. Like it's subsistence farming, right? So they're farming um, enough to feed their families. And so a Heifer starts there and puts them on a ladder to grow subsistence farming into a business that can drive economic growth for the family, for the community. So it's um but yeah the need is is incredible especially
0: after this year and who comes along those families who are those people um who are the families that we support yeah who are they who are the families you support yes but who comes along them alongside them is there like contact like how does that happen Yeah.
1: So we do have offices um, throughout the areas where we have projects throughout the world. And we've got incredible staff um, who go and, um, you know, do this work for us. But really the work happens through the formation of cooperative groups. So we'll take a rural farming family um, and connect them with other families that are farming as well and create um, a group that has cooperative um, negotiation power and that kind of thing so that together they've got the resources and negotiation ability and that kind of thing to um, you know get better inputs into their farming and improve their yield and connect to bigger markets. So it's, it's really about empowerment of the people we're serving more than it's about us stepping in and doing the work.
0: Yes, yeah. No, I hear that. I just wondered what the connections were in order to make it happen because a farmer that's feeding themselves – and looking kind of a day-to-day sustaining of their their needs um if i understand you correctly you're really opening the windows for them to see this in a brand new way and to come Mm -hmm. together and expand what they have in an entrepreneurial spirit and i just wonder how that gets communicated to them when maybe they were thinking in one lane you know to to sustain themselves Um, have this opportunity open up how does that get communicated and that must be through 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 some kind of teams of people with heifer right
1: exactly yeah yeah we do have amazing project teams that go in and do trainings and um and provide the resources too so we do give we continue to gift livestock um to farmers through our projects so will provide um, you know, dairy cows or chickens that lay, or layers that lay eggs and, and then provide trainings through our in-country staff on what to do. Now you've got these chickens that lay eggs, how do you keep them healthy? Um, we train up community vaccinators so that then somebody in the community now has a job and some income as a vaccinator and they go around and visit these farmers and keep their chickens healthy and get paid as a result. So, um, yeah, so lots of on the ground training and supports that way. And then ultimately training the trainers so that eventually these community members, um, can, are are skilled enough to train each other and continue to what we call pass on the gift at Heifer.
0: Oh, I love that. Pass on the gift. Mm -hmm. So for folks that may be of another, that, that aren't involved in major giving, is there a way for, for us to somehow participate or is it just in our our thoughts and encouraging and prayers and things like that
1: oh yeah i mean of course support heifer at any level you can and every dollar makes a huge difference and that's so meaningful but um i would just say we have a brilliant communications team who puts out um, just incredible stories about what's going on in the communities and countries that we work in So, um, you know, heifer.org is our website. There is a blog there and, um, you know, we're on social media. We've got the other thing I should mention is that we have a farm and ranch here in the United States. So we work in the U S too. Um, our, we're headquartered in little rock, Arkansas, and not far from little rock. We have, um, what's called the heifer ranch and urban farm. And, um, we, do trainings there for, for American domestic farmers too to help grow their businesses and learn um, what's called regenerative agriculture or a way of farming. That's not large industrial factory farming, but um, holistic kind of land management that improves the soil and improves yields and helps even farmers here in the U S um, just do better with their businesses and build more, more income. Right. So, um, so yeah, we have incredible resources. Like we have a whole YouTube channel from Heifer USA where we do trainings for farmers and people who want to get started in farming and have no idea where to start. So um, so again, back to kind of check us out on social media and online. We've got some we're making resources. So the YouTube
0: is Heifer USA. And then remind me again, I didn't want to interrupt you. What did you call the kind of farming you were referring to? Um, that's anchored out of um, Little Rock, Arkansas. The the mm-hmm.
1: regenerative agriculture. What is it? Regenerative agriculture. Regenerative. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. So, um, I was talking with uh, another uh, guest that. I don't know where the lineup will be when they air before or after you, John Coughlin, and he is in a, in a, in a similar field, a little bit different, but similar in, um, in bringing hope and encouragement and bettering the lives of those who, um, who welcome that kind of, um, help in other countries and particularly his is in Rwanda. But, um, he, uh, he was sharing about getting to see the fruition of what tugs his heart in an organization like you're in and what has was birthed in you when you were younger and a young girl, are you able to, um, Take any of that away do you see that come are you able to connect the dots like that for yourself what does that feel like for you I know that you before we start talking you said this this is really just a, a dream job and you love what you're doing how mm-hmm. does that manifest itself in the way that meets that little I don't mean little as diminutive but that that need inside you you know to see what you're doing come about
1: hmm Yeah, well, I did say that it was a little bit of a roundabout journey to get here. And some of that is because of um, I graduated from grad school in 2006 and um, had the awesome opportunity to go work in Africa and get my first on the ground experience in West Africa for almost a year and a half through a program called the MBA Enterprise Corps. Um, Came back in 2008, um, just as the Great Recession hit and the economy was just tanking. And um, really struggled this day in this field as someone who had very little experience um, at that point in the field. and um, so I, I took some deviations from the course um, just to sort of get by and continue on on, on a path, right And um, so ending up having this opportunity present itself a little over a year ago and ending up at an organization doing this work was just like um, everything coming together. It's like, my entire journey up to this point sort of made sense when the Heifer opportunity came about. And um, yeah, I work with incredible people and then I hear these incredible stories and it's just, there's so much to take in. I feel like a year in, I'm still learning and I'm still overwhelmed at all of the great work that Heifer is doing and how to communicate that with the people that are supporting us. But it's, it, it really
0: is like a calling and um, I feel incredibly blessed to be where I'm at. Yeah, it sounds like it is definitely a calling. And I, um, I will put some of those um, opportunities for them to learn. It's heifer.org, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, how long has the company been in existence?
1: Uh, 76, 77 years now. Oh. Um, wow. Yeah.
0: It began with this catalog, kind of? Is that sort of how it began? Kind of the origins go back to the
1: um, Spanish civil war and our founder was there through um, a sort of um, military aid or military based support um, situation. And he was with a group that was handing out um, cups of milk via like powdered milk to um, poor and hungry families during the Spanish civil war. And, um, he had kind of a, he was a farmer and a rancher from Arkansas and he had kind of this revelation that these people don't need a cup of milk. They need a cow. And so heifer's origin. You're going to make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty powerful, right? Right. Yeah. So So he took that and went back to some of his farmer rancher friends and said, Hey, we need to get cows to these people. And like, legitimately, that is how Heifer started. Um, we have a group of, um, they're they're mostly not around anymore because of the, this being such a long time ago, but they were called seagoing cowboys. And they were ranchers, farmers that took cows, like literally on ships from the U.S. overseas to deliver cows to farmers that needed these kinds of, you know, inputs. And That's how heifer started. Heifer doesn't like literally put cows on ships anymore,
0: but that's how it started. Oh, I am so glad I asked. I am so glad I asked. That has made my um, eyes tear up. I mean, that is, um, the simplicity of that is so powerful that we are going to put a cow on a ship and take Mm -hmm. the cows where they need them. That is like, we're doing this, y'all. We're doing this. And gosh, I'm so glad I asked that, because I think I think, look at what came from that. You know what I mean? that upper, And though you might not do it in that way anymore, it birthed this very powerful entity, which has continued to do good and is changing the world because um, of, of that person saying they don't need a cup of milk they need a cow and seeing the need. I think that's what stirred me so much to learn about what you were doing in this way. And I know that what you're doing is at a level that it needs to be happening at so that you can get those funds to make big things happen because the need is big. Um, But it really does tether to the intimacy. Don't you agree of that initial deduction that he had? they need more than a cup of milk, they need a cow. And when we can see um, one another, I am such an emotional human being. I don't know what what it is lately, I guess it's because I'm visiting with people that have had such a big place in my heart, but when we can see one another in a very human way and boil down all the bull crap to, uh, and shove it aside, and see one another and our humanity, And say, what can I do to help your life um, be better than it is? Because Mm -hmm. we're all here living together. And we want that for ourselves. We want that for our loved ones. And when we can pull back the lens and and see that. Um, Thank you so much for sharing that part and everything that you've shared. Because it really kind of caps off all that it is that you're doing with the root of where it comes from and the heart that I can tell is part of the company that you're working for, the organization. Um, is there anything, um, I don't know really how to word it, um, it's not really a question about about uh, heifer per se, but is there anything you would like to see um, not a bucket list question um, because I don't want to confine it to that, but that you would like to see happen in your time here on earth. I know that's huge, but Ooh. because what you're doing is so, what you're a part of is so big. I feel like you have a lot in you and that you're a lovely human being. And I'm all about wanting to inspire others. And sometimes um, I think people just aren't asked that question. And if I threw you, I'm talking long enough for you to think through the question. I'll give you a (laughs) lot of ways to um, – I would expect it would kind of. But it's sort of a – there's a game you can be thinking. Um, There's a game that I have played, and I I mean to make it a little bit more official on this – podcast but I was with a a cast full of girls well it was it was in Chicago the show Chicago the first time I did it and I've shared this story on this podcast before but um, I was put they they were struggling to have room for all the lead actors and I was playing playing mama Morton and um, would normally have been paired up with another actress uh, but the cast was so large. They were doing some remodeling at the theater. They asked me if I wouldn't mind being in the same dressing room with the um, chorus, the uh, the dancers, and the and the supporting cast. And I said no, of course not. And um, I think because I was a little older than them, and I wasn't of their clan. I didn't. I wasn't a dancer. <laughs> Could barely Uh lift my leg. But um, uh, that they were like, oh, you know, like when someone's outside your circle and they get planted in. But long story short, I decided to kind of put them on the spot. And they were a little bit not afraid of me, but kind of, um, which was a good thing. And, uh, I, every night I had a question or two or three for them and I called it Terry time and the mm-hmm. questions would throw them sometimes. But what it did then, Jamie, is it opened up this conversation and pretty soon this idea of being challenged to share something of yourself spread to the male chorus room. And then pretty soon the tech people in between matinee and evening (laughs) performances were meeting in the green room and it became this thing. So I've said all that to stall a little bit, to give you a chance to think, but to also say that I think that we like, and you might not, but I think as human beings, we kind of like to have somebody ask us something that maybe doesn't always get asked, but because you're doing and giving through an organization that is impacting the world in such a big way. Girl, it's big. It's big. It's big Mm -hmm. what you do. What else is in you that's big that you would like to see transpire, whether you're directly involved in it or not, or it's a dream or just a hope for um, life as we know it?
1: Hmm. Well, I mean, I guess the first thing I can say in response to that is that Heifer's mission is to end hunger and poverty while caring for the Earth. And if we do that successfully, then we work ourselves out of a job, right? There's no need for Heifer anymore if we successfully end hunger and poverty. So um, I think that's a pretty awesome ideal or vision to have for the world: is that there are there's no longer a need for international development NGOs. Um, because we've solved this problem. And that's what the um the sustainable development, the UN sustainable development goals try to address as well. Um, but I, I think I can add to that that um prior to working for Heifer, I was working for a, a regional Pacific Northwest Health and Human Services Organization, human social services really. And um so much of what we did was around mental health. And I think what I what I learned working for that organization is that the mental health needs, not just in this country, but everywhere are so overwhelming. And people, the mental health supports that people need um, are so varied and so great. And um, it's all of us, right? We all have our, our mental health struggles. And um, man, to live in a world where we just have, I don't know if we're going to ever end mental health challenges, we're human beings, but to have enough support that everybody can have those needs met and addressed. I mean, that's a world I want to live in, right?
0: <laughs> You're the best. You've left me, um, uh, with my mask, my, my makeup streaks down my cheeks today because of the stuff that you've shared, but what a beautiful way, um, to end this podcast. Cause I, I did kind of commit to, I would keep it in a time frame. But um, to inspire uh, others to that, and you c- couldn't have nailed it on the head anymore. I know you're speaking for yourself, but I know we're all with you on that. And the heart behind what you just shared is significant, just like you are. Um, and I I thank you so much for coming and lending your time. My dog is um, obviously sneaking <laughs> up out there, so um, but she's a regular. Great- <laughs> part of this but I uh, Jamie thank you thank you for being willing and I know that you're a busy girl and giving us this time is just huge and then I thank you for just the sweet presence that you've been in my life and you had an opportunity to encourage me before I press record and I will take that with me into my day to day. I don't want you to go away. I'm going to say goodbye. So uh, to the audience um, and stop the recording. And then you and I just have a moment to say goodbye, but um, you've been a joy and my heart is with you in your efforts. And boy, have you been well-placed uh, to meet a need and serve the organization that you're in and they have a win or, win or chicken dinner or oh. yeah. Thank you. Hang on.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Gosh, Jamie, you are so impressive on so many levels, but I think what impresses me the most and has been an impression on me is your beautiful heart. I thank you for what you are doing with this organization. I thank you for being the go-getter that you are for them and on behalf of those that you are lifting up to a new level in their lives with opportunity. Um, I, I love what you shared today. It spoke to me on a personal level. And I know that my audience feels the same. So we can't wait to have you back, learn more and continue to learn more about this organization. But folks, I will put information in my notes so that you can go check them out, maybe find opportunities to be supportive. And we will look forward to the next time that we have Jamie with us. Go like and subscribe and share this episode. Leave me some comments. And remember, y'all, I am having uh, listeners on as my guest. So send me an email through my website and we will have you on. There'll be information in this podcast. Uh, note section about how you can do that but basically it goes you send yourself to or you find your way to uh, terrysummers.com that's t-e-r-e-y s-u-m-m-e-r-s forward slash podcast and there's a section in there where you can send me uh, a little note saying you would love to um be my guest come on be my guest talk to you later (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God.